So let's all welcome Pastor George Stanky this morning. Thank you, brother. You can just call me George. I prefer simplicity. If that's, um, well, I would like to introduce my wife of 45 years, Linda Stanky. There we go. There's always another half. And uh, when you read about the fruit of the spirit, you'll probably see her picture in the margin there because she is very patient, or takes patience to live with me. I can guarantee you that. Well, let's go ahead and pray. And if you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalms 23. Surprise, surprise. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we just humble ourselves. Just want to take another moment just to acknowledge your presence and our utter dependence upon the moving of your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would help me to communicate in ways that are simple, easy to understand, and yet empowered by your spirit. We welcome you and we thank you for all that you are, all that you will do this morning. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. And of Pastor Aaron, if you are watching, hello. <laughs> I don't know if he is or not. So Psalms 23, as I was praying about what to share with you this morning, I just really was drawn to Psalms 23. So I'm going to read it in context, and then we're just going to pull out one little phrase and focus on one small phrase. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the phrase that just really captured my heart was, refreshes my soul. And um, we don't have the first slide. It's one of my favorite pictures. Oh, there it is. Is that a cool picture? I can just see myself as a, I grew up drinking out of the hose. I, I, is that too personal? <laughs> Man, we, it was hot. We'd turn on that hose, let it drain for a while, because you know how the water gets inside of a hose. It gets hot. And boy, you just take that cold water and you just just wash it all over you, drink out of it. It was great. I saw that picture. It's like, that is such a great picture of refreshing and what that really means. But here, I want you to understand, first of all, what is it that God wants to refresh? He wants to refresh your soul. And it's important that you understand within the context of this scripture, what exactly is he talking about? He's talking about the heart your will, your spirit, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, your physical body, your behaviors, how you respond to other people. In this particular context, the word soul is talking about your person. He wants to refresh you 
as an individual person. So it means, it's, it's the word shub, to turn back, to draw back with the idea of to return to a starting point, to revive, to rejuvenate when you're exhausted and when you're weary. And so we've come through about, what, 14 to 18 months of COVID. I don't know about you, but I hate it. I'm so glad to see that you're here this morning, social distancing and no mask. Thank you for that. But every addictive behavior has skyrocketed during COVID because we've been restricted from being in fellowship. And here's the interesting thing. You grow, you mature, you heal in community. When we are robbed of community, we are robbed of opportunity to be refreshed. And so amongst young people, teens, preteens, adults, the elderly, everything has skyrocketed. Anxiety, depression, every addiction that you can imagine, alcohol, drugs, pornography, suicide rate has escalated, especially among teens and preteens. There is such a need for refreshing. It is off the chart. People have lost their businesses. I have several friends that, that are business owners. They cannot hire people. I'm talking to one guy who said, we need to hire 25 people. We posted on the internet. We got 300 responses. We contacted each and every one of those people. Not one of them wanted to work for us, but they satisfied the requirement of the state to continue to get their check and stay home. There is such a need for us to go back to where we've been. There's such a need for the refreshing of the soul. And the thing that's interesting is that when we come to that place through circumstance, whether it's the loss of a job, the loss of a spouse, we just attended a funeral yesterday for a dear, long, long time friend of ours whose wife passed away with cancer, whether it's something traumatic like that, or you've discovered that your child that you were hoping that was going to go to the next grade is going to be held back because they just didn't get a year's worth of work done in school. Whatever it is, whether it's large or whether it's small, when we are emotionally, spiritually, physically depleted, we are at great risk for making really, really stupid decisions. Now, I understand because of the people that attend this church that no one falls into that category. You're highly intelligent, fed, well-watered, and seldom ever deal with temptation, right? I don't see anybody saying you're right. The only people who are not tempted, my dear brothers and sisters, are dead. If your body temperature is above 80 degrees, you're dealing with something. To the degree that your soul is well watered, to the degree that you walk in refreshment, to that degree you will walk in victory. If you're not walking in victory this morning, whatever that level is, I can guarantee you you're a candidate for the refreshing of your soul, 
for the renewing of your mind, for the strengthening of your heart, for the transformation that needs to come within relationships. And if you are in relationship, if you were born into a family, I think most of us were born into families, you cannot be in relationship and not be in trouble to some degree because we live with broken people. We are broken people. We say things, we do things that we regret. We hurt and we hurt others. And so this psalm is so critically important for each and every one of us. And you may be saying, well, you know, I can think of someone that I know. You know, every, I know Bob, and boy, it's a shame Bob's not here this morning because he really needs to hear this message. And I would suggest to you that are thinking that, look into the mirror, and you will see the person who needs to be refreshed. It's not the neighbor across the street whose dog continually barks and just irritates you to no end. It's not your spouse who just doesn't seem to know how to love you or to give you the respect or the honor that you deserve. The person in the mirror is the person that this scripture was written to. When you confront someone like that, and because of what I do, I work in the counseling department at Focus on the Family, and I have a private practice, so I'm always talking to people about problems, every imaginable kind of problem. The person that is emotionally depleted, the person that is relationally compromised, the person that is spiritually weak, the person that slips into addictive behaviors, whether it's just anger or rage, or I'll just give you the silent treatment. You're not there. However they respond, you need to understand they slip into what we refer to as ego management. What problem? I don't have a problem. You come to church, Hi, Mary, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, George? And we look each other in the eye and we just lie through our teeth. What would happen if you greeted somebody and you said, Hi, how are you? And they actually told you the truth. You would be amazed at the things that they're feeling, at the things that they're going to, at the pain that is at the deepest part of their soul. And you try to lovingly confront them, and, and if they can't deny it, then they'll minimize, it's not, as, it's not as bad as you say it is. Or, I can quit, I can stop at any time. Or they play the victim. You just, you just don't understand. You don't know what it was like growing up in my home. You don't understand how my dad was. And they just play the victim, and it's just everybody else's fault, and they don't need to change because really everyone else is broken, and they're just okay, but they're hurting. Do you know anybody like that? So I want to take you to a few examples in the Scripture where we can see different levels of brokenness, different needs, different people that needed that refreshing of the soul in different ways. Elijah, 
an amazing, amazing man of God. I mean, he did everything God asked him to do, and boy, oh boy, did God ask him to do some crazy stuff. But he was faithful. He was faithful. And there's this battle to determine who is the real God. And the false prophets and the false priests who worshipped idols, um, Elijah says, you know, well, let's just put, let's put gods to the test. And so he built an altar, and you bring your sacrifice, and, and go ahead, and, and your God, if he's real, he'll, he'll just come down in fire, and he'll devour. You know the story. And so they're dancing, and they're chanting, and they're cutting themselves, and they're calling upon their false gods, and that bull just lays on the altar, stinking to high heaven, nothing's going on. And they finally are exhausted and Elijah says, you know, it's, the test isn't quite what it needs to be. So he digs a trench. They, they bury this thing in water. They make it absolutely impossible. And God loves the impossible because that's usually where he shows up. And fire from heaven comes down and consumes. But I'll tell you what, Jezebel is upset. She is angry. And she says, this woman says, I will have your life. And he runs and he hides. He needed refreshing. It's interesting, isn't it? Isn't it interesting? Have you ever noticed? You get this amazing blessing from the Lord. You've got this amazing encounter with a living Christ that just absolutely takes you to the next level. And within 24 hours, the devil shows up on your doorstep. And you wonder what in the world is going on. That's what happened to Elijah. Powerful, manifest presence of God. And then an angry woman says, I'm going to have your life. And he runs for the hills. Jesus, the scripture says he was tempted in every single way that we are tempted. Now think about that for a moment. Think he was ever tempted to yell and scream, to have a fit of anger? Yeah. Think he was tempted to lust? Think he was ever tempted to take something that didn't belong to him? Do you think, I mean, think about the ways that you're tempted. The scripture says, in every way we were tempted, he was tempted, yet he was without sin, but not without discouragement. He is led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he is going to be tempted to the nth degree. All of his core needs, the devil knew the core needs of human beings, and at every core need, this is where Satan tempted the Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture says that at the end of that temptation, that the angels of the Lord came and they refreshed him and they ministered to him. He was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And he went through 40 days of fasting, 40 days of the devil in his face, tempting him in ways that are beyond our imagination. 
wearing him down, wearing him down, wearing him down, yet he continued to hold fast, but at the end he needed to be refreshed. And the scripture says that the angels of the Lord came and they tended to him. Have you ever felt like, God, I would just send an angel to me? I could use a little tending myself. What about Peter? You understand Peter loved Jesus? He loved him. And they're walking down the road and they're just kind of talking and Jesus is saying, you know, Peter, the day is coming and I'm, I'm gonna have to, I have to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. Peter, they're going to crucify me. And Peter rebukes Jesus. He rebukes him. And Jesus turned and he said, Satan, get behind me. And I can just see Peter turning around, looking, where, where's, where is the devil? Where is the... Peter loved Jesus. He could not comprehend that this man that is going to bring the kingdom of God and destroy the Roman Empire and finally bring peace to Jerusalem, that he's actually going to die. He doesn't understand what's happening. But he loved Jesus with all of his heart. And when Jesus finally was being betrayed and he began to understand and accept the truth that his Messiah was going to be killed, he said, I will die with you. I will go and I will be with you and I will die with you. And Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows three times, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three different times. But I've prayed for you. And when you return, strengthen your brothers. Have you ever thought something about the Lord? Ever had a promise that you were just hanging on to and it just never happened? Just never happened. Praying for my marriage, praying for my marriage, praying for my marriage. The only message my wife keeps giving me is, what is it about I don't want you that you refuse to accept and understand? Son comes home. Mom, Dad, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm a girl. My new... My new girlfriend is Bob. And you're just crushed. Peter needed to have his soul renewed, his soul revived. In the Hebrew, the word also means to bring to repentance, to bring to a place of conversion, to restore purity for those things which have become foul, those things that have become rancid. My father refused to allow my brother, my mom to take us to church. 
But there was one time, I don't remember exactly how old I was, I was really young, I don't know, six, maybe seven years old. I re and she took us to church one time, it was a little Baptist church in Golden, Colorado. I don't remember what the preacher preached on, but at the end of the message, he gave an altar call. And I went to that altar and I prayed a prayer that Jesus would come into my life. And then on the way home, mom said to my sister and I know, whatever happens, you cannot tell your father where we've been. The good news is he never asked so we didn't have to lie. But to make a long story short, here I am, a small person, newly accepted Christ, but I'm going back into a home that is so incredibly broken, so incredibly dysfunctional, where God simply is not welcome. It's like the seed that fell upon the ground and, and it germinated and it sprung up, but then it was choked out by the weeds and it died. I found my dad's pornography when I was about 12. And that radically, radically transformed my life in a really, really bad way. The thing I wanted most in life was to, to know that maybe my father could love me. Maybe he could at least accept me. And that never, ever happened. And when mom and dad were divorced and he left, he never turned around. He never, there was no visitation. He walked out the door never ever looked back. And I remember one day, it was probably about a year after that, and I was just moping around the house feeling sorry for myself and my mother, who genuinely loved me, tried to encourage me. And she said, George, do you, do you not remember how your dad treated you? I said, Mom, I remember, but I love him. But how can you love him? Because when I was pregnant, he tried to force me to have an abortion which was the worst thing that, I mean, that's the last thing I needed to know. I was filled with so much pain that I tried to fix that pain in all of the wrong ways. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, sleeping around. You know, it's a terrible thing when you look into the mirror and you hate the person that you see. I hated who I was. I never denied that there was a God, but I just didn't know him. I, it was so choked out. What I had experienced years before was so choked out by the weeds of sin, by the weeds of rejection, by the pain of life. But I remember the day that he refreshed my soul. I was driving in my 1962 Chevy 2, somewhere between California and Colorado, I don't even know where I was, listening to terrible, terrible, ungodly music, spaced out of my mind on drugs, and I heard these words, it's time to come home. And I don't know how to pray. 
I just said, God, I want to come home. And as he is my witness and judge, there is no exaggeration in what I'm going to tell you. As soon as those words came out of my mouth, I was stone cold sober. Every addiction was broken in an instant. There was no more drugs, no more alcohol, no more pornography, no more sleeping around. I'm still a broken person. But I experienced a refreshing in my soul. He took me back to where we started. And my best friend, Ben, he was in his 1957 Chevy. And we pulled over to get gas. And I got out of my car. I said, Ben, Ben, I've accepted Jesus. And he looked at me and he just said, wow, man. <laughs> he was still higher than the guy. The refreshing that comes into our soul is not a one-time event. It should be a daily thing. It should be daily. I think of the letters to the churches in uh, Ephesus, Revelation 12, 24. But I have this charge against you that you have left your first love. You have lost the depth of love that you first had for me. In the New Living Translation, it says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. You know, there's not a church in America where there are not people sitting in chairs, sitting in pews, that haven't left their first love. There's hundreds of them, hundreds of thousands of people, and I don't know you, your pastor didn't say, be sure and you talk, be sure to talk to Jeff because, you know, Jeff's a really big problem and I haven't been able to get a hold of Jeff. And if you're here, Jeff, I, trust me, I do not know who you are. I just randomly chose the name. Don't be offended. I don't know you. I don't know what the challenges are that you face, but I do know this. I know that there is a God in heaven, and when he looks down and he sees you, he sees someone of incredible worth and value, someone that is so precious and so loved. He is crazy about you, and he hungers, he longs to reach across heaven and to restore and to refresh your soul. And he's the only one that can. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And we're going to go ahead and close the service. I don't believe in long sermons. <laughs> I just want to share this with you. The question is, how do we experience? It's like, I don't know if anything that I've shared with you this morning, because again, because I, I don't know anyone here. I don't know what your needs are. But I do know that everyone here needs refreshing. I don't think there's an exception in the room. You know, this morning I had breakfast. Does that surprise you? I'll probably have lunch. I remember 
talking to a friend of mine who is in ministry, not your pastor. Don't want you to jump to conclusions. And I asked him one time, I said, when you look into the mirror, do you like the person looking back at you? And he said, honestly, I don't. Said, and he's, he's a Pentecostal minister. I asked him, I said, when's the last time you prayed in the spirit? Oh, about a month ago. He said, so you're a minister charged with strengthening the sheep, ministering to the body of Christ, bringing times of refreshing and hope and restoration. And it's been a month since you prayed in the spirit and you don't even like the person looking back at, how can you do your job? How can you be the person that gives the fresh bread and the cool water to those that are hungry and thirsty in your condition? And he just kind of dropped his head. He said, I don't know. How do we experience the lavish love that the Lord Jesus Christ wants to pour upon us. First of all, you just have to respond. Do you know what, what it is to be drawn by the Spirit? If you're a Christian, you know what it is. No one comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior if they are not personally drawn by the Spirit. And it's really simple. He just kind of reaches out and gets a hold of you somehow and just begins to pull, just begins to just kind of tug. She didn't think she was going to be in the message, but I'm pulling her right in so that the camera can get you. But you know what? We resist. Did you see how she was resisting? because she didn't know what was happening. She didn't know what was, why, why is this crazy person reaching out and touching me? Why is he pulling me? Well, that's how the Holy Spirit works. Do you sense him this morning? Do you sense him tugging at your heart? Don't say no, yield. Embrace the word of God. God's promise for those who are weary is, I will refresh your soul. I will do this. The worship team isn't going to do this for you. Pastor Aaron is not going to be your refreshing. I am not your refreshing. God is your refresher. If you will yield to the tug of the Holy Spirit, if you will believe the promise that he wants to minister to you, that he wants to revive, that he wants to refresh, if you just believe it's true, and then just simply humbly acknowledge your need. Jesus, I want to come home. I am in need. I hunger. I thirst. And then just pray. So as the worship team does whatever the worship team does, I'm going to ask you to stand, if you would, please.
I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes, just eliminate all the distraction, just eliminate the distraction. And I want to ask, are you in need? Are you the one that God brought here this morning so that you could hear the promise of his word? that he wants to just pour into you. He wants to refresh, revive, maybe renew the first love. If you're here, I just, just raise your hand, just acknowledge that so I can pray for you. So Lord Jesus, I thank you just for the privilege. Thank you for allowing me to stand in front of these precious people that you love so very, very much. I pray that the things that have been shared this morning would be good seed planted within the soil of their souls, watered by your spirit, and that it would bring forth an abundant harvest. Lord, bless these precious people that you love so intently. In the strong name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen.
message of redemption and God that we don't have to be caught up in all that and um, God to our great rescuer who you are thank you so much God that no matter how far we step away God and no matter how or what things or situations God that you're always there God that you're always coming after us so God we thank you we ask God that you would just um Bring Pastor Aaron back home safely, God, that you would just keep him safe on his way back home. And uh, God, again, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for everything that you're going to do, God. We love you. In your name, amen. Well, have a good afternoon. Go get some lunch. Or if you're going to get lunch. So, yeah, get some lunch. And um, have fun, um, mingle for a while if you like, you know, uh, say hi to everybody and all that good stuff, and we will see you guys next week, all right? <laughs>